Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. You need a man of God that can tell you what you don't want to hear. You need a man of God that can stand, and, and when you hear the truth, you don't get mad at the mailman. You just say, ouch, I need to make some adjustments. But, but, the, but the church is not made better because there's poor example of leadership in the pulpit. I'm not up here to, 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 to entertain you. I'm not going to swing from that light. If I swing from that light, next time you want me to swing from the roof. But if I stay with the Bible, that's enough. And you know what I love about the Bible? I don't have to make up nothing. The Bible says I don't have to add nothing. Say, don't add anything to it. Don't take nothing from it, lest you receive the plagues from this book. And I'm too scared of God. I don't want no plagues from this book. You say, why do you preach so hard? Some of y'all say, every time I look around, you got a 10-point sermon. They need to be 20 with all that sin in you. Ten. Most places you only get three. I got three points. Three with all that stuff in you. We just getting going. Three points. Three points. Y'all thought because I got death in my family that I'm going to cut you some slack. I was feeling a little down, but I'm all right now. So you say, I got my second win. You know why I preach so hard? It's because I don't want your blood on my hand. I'm responsible if I don't preach the truth to you. God holds me responsible and he's going to chasten me to no end. But if I preach to you and you heard the truth and you don't take that truth and apply that truth so that your life's going to be better, then your blood is not on my hands it's on your hand. And when you stand before God, he's going to say that Pastor Draper on this particular Sunday at this particular time told you this and you walked out of here and did nothing with it. Your blood is on your own head and you're going to suffer the penalty of your own apathy and rebellion against the word of God. So, so, so Jonah was in bad shape. And you know what? There are some people here today. You, are in, you need to be in spiritual ICU and don't even know it. In this passage, Jonah, it, look, in this passage, Jonah is not even praying. He's sleeping like some folk doing right now. In this passage, Jonah is not repenting. In this passage, Jonah is not witnessing to pagans. In this passage, Jonah is not worshiping God through the storm. Jonah is so self-centered that he can sleep with ease. I believe this man was snoring. Maybe it was the snoring that got the captain's attention. He was sleeping so hard 
that he could, he could care less about getting, giving anybody else a helping hand in the midst of a raging storm. Surely Jonah was in a backslidden condition. Is that you? Also notice that Jonah is not friendly to unbelievers. You don't hear Jonah speaking. You don't see Jonah smiling. You know, when you're in rebellion against God, you can't smile. You can't speak. You can't say amen. You, you look at your clock. You rush out here for the benediction because there's too much conviction in here. You, you, so, so, so you're not even friendly. That's why some cults get more folk than the church who has the true gospel. If you, if you, got the, if you know the Lord and you know that you know the Lord and you know that you know you know you've been born again, you ought to smile sometimes. That's right. You ought to shout sometime. You, you ought to dance sometime. You, 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 you ought to be glad sometime. And I'm saying this today, my friends, that Jonah is not friendly. Are you friendly? Hi. Hi. It's bad when you can't say thank you. you, you you're not courteous. You, 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 you look mean. But you say you're going to heaven. God says, I don't want you in heaven looking like that. I'm going to keep you down here until you learn how to smile. You're 95 years old, not smiling. I, well, you got to make it to 105. You got to be friendly to unbelievers. To unbelievers. We, we was in a vacation Bible school class just the other day, and we were talking about Christians being in certain places. I mean, especially in a restaurant. And sometimes my wife and I end up in the bar area at certain restaurants. Now, I'm not always seeking a bar. Don't think that. And don't think I'm drinking myself crazy and all that. But I'm not ashamed to sit at a bar. You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. You, <laughs> thank you, Holy Ghost. You know why nobody gets saved from you, from your witness? Because you insulate yourself just like Jonah from everybody. Your plumber got to be saved. The mailman got to be saved. The Amazon Prime person come knocking on you. Got it. <laughs> did you wonder why you don't have a witness? Everybody say, where are the lost folk in your life? I remember one day I was at a, one of the restaurants established and lady, lady told me, um, so I don't have any seats. I got a seat over at the bar. I didn't call this restaurant. And so I said, okay, put me down. And I went and I sat there and I was, I was looking and I just looked at this person and looking at them when they have glass full of stuff. And I'm sitting there and I ordered me a Sprite or something. Not something, I said Sprite, okay? So, because y'all be wondering what that something was, okay? And then, and then I looked at this guy, he was eating these raw oysters. I don't know how folk can eat raw oysters. Ooh, now some of y'all eat, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about, I just, I can't eat nothing raw. He just goofed. I mean, he had a tray of them raffles. Then he had another tray. And I was looking at him. I said, you enjoying that? He said, yeah. And I said, I said, what's your name? He said, my name is so-and-so. And I talked to him. He, he said, who are you? I said, I'm Randall Draper. I said, what do you do? And he told me what he did. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> See, it was a setup. It was a setup. <laughs> it was a setup. It was a setup. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah. How's your relationship with the Lord? I'm at the bar. I'm witnessing. I'm witnessing. Y'all hold your nose up and walk around. Oh, don't sit me. Oh, no. Oh, sit me in the back corner over there. And then I looked at this guy on the next door, the other side of me, and I was talking with him. 
And uh, I began to witness there. And we had the best time laughing and talking. I wasn't judging them. I wasn't criticizing them. I wasn't saying, why are you drinking that? Why are you eating all of them oysters? <laughs> he, he probably would have been better with a course than eating all those oysters like that. <laughs> but, what, but where are the sinners in your life? Jesus was a friend of sinners. Everybody around you got to be saved. You insulate yourself. And nobody gets saved by your witness. You see, so, 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 so you see here, Jonah, uh, he was self-centered. He was sleeping with ease and he was just carried away with himself. He was not friendly to unbelievers and could care less about their lost souls. Like so many believers today who will not witness and tell unbelievers about Jesus. Some of you are like that today. Now, those of you under my voice, you've not knocked on the door of neighborhood outreach since you've been a member of this church. Some of you don't, don't, didn't invite anybody to vacation Bible school and neither did you come yourself. Some of you haven't been to Sunday school yet. Where, where are you in Bible study? And well, how come you don't go to the nursing home when the nursing home ministry go out? How come you're not in the prison ministry that we have? How come you're not in the homeless shelter ministry like we have? Are you so wrapped up in your world like Jonah, so secluded that nobody get the gospel through you? Surely Jonah was a renegade prophet who found himself in the midst of a raging storm. Verse eight, the mariners probing questions. Then they said to him, please tell us. Man, they're nervous. Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? And they asked him five questions. Oh, they were sucking it to him. Uh, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? Where are you from, man? What is your country? And of what people are you? The mariners who were heathen men drilled Jonah, a prophet of God, with a series of probing questions to find out what he had done to bring this storm upon them. I can only imagine that they were frustrated. They were looking for answers. They were in bewilderment because they could not figure out the reason for all this trouble. And even though the sellers were not responsible for this storm, they did not. You know what they didn't do? Now, let me tell you, like some of y'all do, you know, even though they was in this storm, they were asking questions and they were nervous. They thought they were going to die. You know what they didn't do? They didn't cry out that life was unfair. You won't see that in this passage. They did not wallow in their own self-pity. Pity. Like some of you do when you get cancer, your child died, your father died, mother died, uh, uh, things happen, tornado takes you home, storm damage, this, that, whatever it is, financial calamities. Uh, But those heathens, they did not wallow in self-pity. You know what they didn't do? They didn't even take revenge against Jonah, who was responsible for the storm in the first place. Think about that now. Jonah was responsible, and then they said, aha, you know, let's get him. Didn't do that. 
Didn't do it. And you know what I'm saying? Do unlike many across America today that they didn't promote violence as an answer for that culprit, like so many today. On these college campuses, if you think differently, if you don't think like the other people, you don't think like the professor, you don't think like the politician, you, if you got your own mind for Christ, people will persecute you just because you don't think like them. And they'll tap your car, they'll pop you in the head, they'll, they'll knock off a little child's hat, they'll spit on somebody, act ugly to just because they don't think like you. Let me tell you something. You have a small mind if you can't leave room for the opposing opinion. <laughs> Y'all looking at me now. You, matter of fact, you all don't want to hear somebody that don't think like you, that don't talk like you. And that's okay. You don't have to beat them up and knock the teeth out because they said something you don't like. Leave room for the opposing viewpoint without all this hell being raised up. They didn't promote violence as an answer uh, uh, to the problem against Jonah. And they refused. You know what else they did? They refused to be angry at their God who was useless to stop the fierce storm. They didn't even become angry at the false gods. They didn't get, like so many Christians today, when things happen beyond your control, you get angry, you get mad at God, you get mad at people, you blame everybody, and you just, you, you make everybody around you miserable. Matter of fact, they, you, you start coming, they start running. Sadly, many believers today blame God and become angry even at him in the midst of adversity. Okay, the last section of verses 9 through 11, Jonah identifies himself and the terrified crewman. Jonah identifies himself and the terrified crewman. Look what it says in verses 9 through 11. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God. I don't know about him fearing the Lord. I mean, you, you would have been in Nineveh by now. He said, I fear the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said, ah, why have you done this? Now you need to underline that. That rested my attention this morning when I was studying and wrapping up in the office. That's a question you need to ask yourself. Look at that. Underline that. Why have you done this? My daddy told me uh, when I was in the hospital, seeing him those last couple of days. I said, Daddy, you have any words for me? And he said, yeah. I said, what would you like to say? He said, son, I'm proud of you. You're on the right road. And you're doing the right thing. Always do the right thing. The right thing. When I was in a trials a few years ago and horrific trials and wasn't fully understanding what was going on and I was kind of telling my daddy some things and he, and I, when I got through uh, telling him the saga of, of hurt and pain and betrayal and all these things and uh, I didn't tell him everything. It's not good to tell elderly folk everything you know. You know, you take them under, right? And I thought I was going to get some profound answer from him. He looked at me and said, after I said, I said, what you got to say about all that? He said, well, son, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I looked at it, I was stunned. I was looking for some great, big theological answer. My brother couldn't have had that kind of answer. He's not a theologian. He was just simplistic. 
in his spiritual insight. And I didn't forget it. It registered with me. Why have you done this? Did you underline that? When you lie, when you didn't have to lie, why did you do that? When you deceive somebody to get some for yourself, why did you have to do that? When you cuss somebody out because they made you mad, there it is right there. Why have you done this? When you mistreat your, mistreat your wife because of your own inadequacies, because you're a hot mess and you're blaming everybody, why are you doing that? Why have you done this? When you run out on somebody and you leave your spouse and have a midnight ramble with somebody you're not married to, and for you, those of you who are married, you're laying and playing, and you ought to be married, you're going to send yourself to hell with some diseases you can't cure in the process. Why have you done this? When God can say, uh, tithe, give, give me a dime out of the dollar, uh, honor me with the first, and you give him chump change. <gasps> Why have you done this? Why have you done this? When you become a racist and you don't like people because they don't look like you, don't act like you, don't talk like you, and you snub your nose up as if you all that. Why have you done this? I declare I'm going to give you my daddy's words. Always, always seek to do the right thing even when you don't understand what God is doing. Amen. For the men knew that they had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? They're talking to Jonah. Hey, man, you, you, you the reason you just said it. For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Storms are no place to, to be disingenuous. No place to be uh, deceptive and dishonest. Jonah acknowledged his ethnicity. In verse 9 eight, the scripture says, so he said to them, I am a Hebrew. Beloved, do not be ashamed of who God created you to be. Whether you black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever you are, don't be, afraid, don't be ashamed of who you are and how God made you. For God is a God of diversity and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jonah said, I am a Hebrew. Now, when he said that, the bell rung in those guys. <gasps> His God is the God of Israel. God had a mighty reputation. Their mind probably rambled back to this man's God is the one who parted the Red Sea. This man's God is the one who gave manna from heaven. It was this man's God who caused the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down. It was this man's God who shut the lion's mouth. It was this man's God that cooled the flames in the fiery furnace. You running from him? Oh, oh my God. Beloved, he said, I am a Hebrew. 
in verse 9b, Jonah acknowledges God as Lord and creator. The scripture says, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah also acknowledges that he fled from the presence of God, which caused the ship's crew to become terrified at Jonah's response. Jonah did not lie. Give him credit for that. He confessed and told the truth. Give him credit for that, which is always the right thing to do, especially when you're in a crisis. The crewman knew Jonah was telling the truth. You say, how do you know? Because the scripture says at the end of verse 10, because he had told them. He had told them. And the storm grew worse. The winds raging, lapping against that boat. That boat's about to turn over. The the mariners didn't ask in this kind of weather. In verse 11, a profound question. What shall we do to Jonah that the sea may be calm for us? I believe this is a great question we can ask ourselves when we are in the midst of our own storms. Let me close with these few things. What can we do to have tranquility and calmness during troubled times? Either you're in a storm, you just came out of one, or you're about to go in one. So what can you do? How, How do you have tranquility and calmness during troubling times? A, make sure your faith is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure your faith is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 a says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. When your life is anchored in Christ, you will be steadfast. When your anchor is anchored in Christ, you will be unmovable and fixed firmly through the trials of life. The anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of death and dying and pain and trauma, Jesus is the anchor. And you won't be drifting all over the place. You'll be immovable and steadfast. B, no matter how severe things become in your life, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and not on your circumstances, which will cause you to lose heart in the storm. Let me say that again. No matter how severe things become in your life, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and not on your circumstances, which will cause you to lose heart in the storm. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Keeping your eyes on Jesus and not people. Keep, don't put it on the White House. Don't put it on the Supreme Court. Don't put it on politics. Don't put it on people. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See, continue to trust in God and wait on him. When you're in a storm, keep waiting, continue to trust in God and wait on him. In all my years of ministry, I have never heard one person say, I regret it waiting on the Lord. Satan will always tempt us to move ahead of the Lord to our own detriment. Psalms 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. When you don't know what to do, wait. When you're unsure, wait. Should you purchase, wait. Till God make you know. Don't move in uncertainty. Don't move in doubt. Don't move in insecurity. Don't you marry that person till God make you know. If God doesn't give you clarity, 
You are doing yourself a disservice by moving on. And you marry that person, you're going to sure wish you hadn't. And finally, but not the least, if you are responsible, if you are responsible for the turbulent times in your life, some trials we bring on ourselves, you know, repent and cry to Christ for deliverance. If you are responsible for the turbulent times in your life, repent and cry to Christ for deliverance. Psalms 34, 17 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. Have, how many of you been in trouble before? And how many, how many of you got delivered out of what you put yourself in? Psalms 15 and 15, Psalms, verse, Psalms number 50, verse 15, it says, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. I love that. When I rescue you, give me glory. The height of ingratitude is for you to experience God mighty deliverance, then refuse to praise him for your deliverance. You can't worship him for your deliverance because of your deliverance. You can't glorify God, the very God who delivered you out of your trials and tribulation and stuff you got yourself into. When he made ways when there seemed to be no way and God uniquely and mysteriously and miraculously delivered you, you ought to glorify me. He says, and you shall glorify me. Anybody ever been delivered? You ever been in trouble? Maybe it's medical trouble. Maybe it's, maybe it's marital trouble. Maybe it's financial trouble. Maybe it's trouble with the children and on and on and on it goes. And God came in and he fixed it like only he could. When God fixed it for you, you ought to come in here shouting. You ought to come in here rejoicing. You ought to have enough spiritual sense to say amen to the truth of God's word. You ought to be like the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord because you and I are a delivered people and all God's children said, God bless you. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. 